Giddy up. Welcome back to Dr. Be Well, the number one cannabis podcast in the world. I'm your host, Steve Ivanovsky. On today's episode of DBW, we have a special guest, Mark Quinn, a cannabis professional who is here to share his knowledge and expertise with us. Mark has been working in the cannabis industry for almost a decade and has a wealth of experience in all aspects of the industry, from cultivation to distribution. He is passionate about educating people on the benefits of cannabis and helping break down the stigma surrounding the plant. Mark is also a health nut who's always trying to find the best ways to optimize his experience here on planet Earth. So whether you are a longtime cannabis user or someone who is new to the plant, this episode is sure to be both informative and engaging. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from one of the industry's leading professionals, the CEO of Mark's Organics, Mark Quinn. What's up, brother? Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me today. You know it, man. You know it. Um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, say thanks for thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, I've been, I've been going to, you know, just quick, just a quick story on Mark to, from from my background. I I moved to Portsmouth uh, in 2015, uh, and in 2016. 2016 might have been 2017. I'm sure Mark will, will be able to, to correct me pretty quickly. Um, I had, is you know, the caregiving situation in Maine started to open itself up. And so I was, uh, you know, looking to get my, to get some cannabis. I had my, uh, you know, I had my medical card. So there was, a, you know, there was mechanisms there where you could find these caregivers. And uh, I hit up Mark, you know, from uh, Mark's Organics. I found it, found it on Weeds Maps. And, um, you know, me, uh, I saw Mark, you know, he said, meet me at the, the, you know, the KTP, the Kittery Trading Post. We went over there. I, I bought some, uh, you know, I bought some concentrate from him. Uh, I was, it was great. And, uh, you know, and then for, you know, for quite a while, that's how I was, I was getting my cannabis. Uh, it quickly, you know, uh, you know, Mark will tell the story, I, I'm sure, but it, it quickly evolved pretty, you know, it, into something else where it, you know, it was Mark and then it wasn't Mark. And then it was a, a you know, it was this beautiful store and, um, so I'm sure we'll, we'll get into all that. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in learning about how, you know, Mark got to that point, um, you know, in, in 2017 when, when he, uh, you know, when, when we first met and he made that, you know, made that, that first transaction. But so that's, that's kind of my question, brother, to, to get us started, you know, uh, tell us, you know, tell us who, who, you know, who is Mark Quinn? What, what was he doing before, uh, you know, before he started Mark's Organics? Well, I, I, uh, I've been in the cannabis industry, like you said, started a delivery service around 2015. But prior to that, I had an organic landscaping company and we did organic turf management. So we did a lot of soil testing. We educated a lot of people um, on the seacoast why not to use chemical fertilizers and tried to interest them on more natural ways of taking care of pests and weeds and situations like that. Uh, we had a lot of customers ask us, how can we get rid of our weeds in our garden? Can you give us something to spray? And I always thought that was really funny. I would say, no, I can't. You're just going to have to get on your hands and knees and pull the weeds like people have been doing for thousands of years. <laughs> There's no easy chemical to spray down that's not going to poison your soil food web. So uh, I spent probably 18 or 19 years educating people on why not to use the chemicals that are so 
vast in what, what you see in the media today, the Scots and um, all these different fertilizers and pesticides. And so it was a long time coming, me getting into the organic cannabis industry. Um, you know, I, I was growing that while I was landscaping, but it never really turned into a business, a real business until I started a delivery service. And uh, thankfully, Weed Maps let me do that um, and advertise for that in 2015. And it all started with people coming to my house. <laughs> and sometimes my wife would answer the door wondering who the hell that was. And, and then I'd have to go into my pantry where I kept, uh, you know, a couple pounds of weed and get a couple edibles out and you know, make sure that uh, the patients that were coming to my front door to see me, they weren't seeing my daughter or my family or anything. So thankfully, I got a couple uh, vehicles and I was able to start delivering that elsewhere. So they weren't coming to my family's house. <laughs> so that's really where it all started. So it started in my pantry, then it moved to my garage, then it moved to a warehouse, then it moved back to a new garage on my other property. And then finally, we got approved by the town for a storefront, which was amazing. January 1st, 2020. And where is that storefront? It's in Kittery, Maine on State Road. And where is uh, Kittery Road in, in, uh, in Maine? How close is that to the New Hampshire border? That's very close to the border. I'd say it's less than five minutes, which was an ideal location because uh, a majority of our Patients are coming from out of state, although we do cater to in-state, of course, but yeah, a lot of out-of-state patients are coming to our store. I think it's because of the prices and less taxes and variety of yeah, I think, stuff. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. I think it's something we can definitely, you know, we can get into later in the show. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit, um, you know, more about that background. I think that that is uh, so fascinating. I think that a lot of the people who come on the show, they we all have different backgrounds of how we got into cannabis or how how we got into health, how we got into helping people be well. And it seems that you know your journey is is really awesome. That you were so you're you're teaching people about soil health. Um, that's something that I I ran into when I was you know starting my bee sanctuaries and trying to figure out uh, you know which plants to to send to people in the you know in the, the be well box, the honey subscription service that I'd started, trying to figure out which seeds to send people that would be the best, you know, for that area. And, you know, through that process, I learned how hard, you know, how horrible our, you know, our soil is and how, and like what, you know, what we're doing to it and, you know, how we use all these horrible chemicals and, um, you know, so, you know, take me through that, that practice a little bit, you know, like we, how would you, you know, how would you approach somebody? You know, they, they say, Hey, I don't want to spray the weeds. You know, you say you could get to teach them how to, how to pick their weeds or, you know, maybe how to grow their. That's grow a different. great point. That's a great point. It's how to pick the plant for the right place. You know, you can't just buy a banana tree and plant it in Maine in a sandy area. You know, you're gonna, you'd be better off getting a pine tree and planting it in that sandy area. Or if it's wet, you'd be better off planting a willow tree in that area. So you can't really just plant whatever you want anywhere you want. You have to really pick and choose. There's a, there's a time and place for each plant. And I think it's important to provide native plants to the area. And we did a lot of native plant design 
and um, just incorporating native plants into our everyday landscape, which I still do to this to this day. It's a passion of mine. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, we have a uh, you know a partner who you know is this young lady named Tori, and she's going to be coming on the show at some point. She owns a company called uh, Be the Buzz, and is what they do is they actually go to people and and companies. I mean, they could come to Mark's Organics and they would rip up all the grass and rip up, uh, you know, everything. And then they would plant native plants, uh, you know, in their place. You know, and I, I just met this this person because you know, I was walking my dogs in, in Portsmouth one time and, and, you know, I saw one of these yards. And that's always what I see, you know, grow food, not lawns. Yeah, you know? I see it everywhere. Yeah, so it's so it's so cool to, you know, to have seen that and then to have met her, you know, through that experience. But she's all about that. She taught me a ton about that, about the natives and how you need the native plants and the native plants are going to do, you know, the best here because they've been, you know, proliferating here for thousands of years. Um, and, you know, so that, that's the practice that you guys would, would use? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we do a lot of the native plants and I think I've seen those stickers everywhere, grow food, not lawn. And uh, I think that's important. When I got, I took uh, accredited by the National Organic Farmers Association, there was very, a lot of different things like that that we had to get through. But, uh, you know, they were very particular about certain things like uh, even when you're watering your grass or watering your garden, make sure you're doing it at the appropriate time of day. Make sure the sprinkler isn't getting going over the grass and going onto the pavement. You know, technically we could have lost our license if somebody drove by and saw us sprinkling water onto the pavement. They don't, they don't like that a lot. <laughs> so they're just very particular, but it's nice that they are particular about that because, you know, th they care. And I think that was why I loved getting that accreditation and going back for it and getting educated on that because it was local people that cared about the environment, not just out there to make money or grow their brand or business. It was, you know, I, I always saw fertilizing companies who were doing the opposite, you know, they, they just didn't care about anything, the coast, the waters, anything. Was it just the fertilizing companies or was it uh, other, uh, you know, like the big Scots, you know, that's how, kind of who, who I'm thinking of. Um, or was it also like fellow landscapers who were, you know, just not dabbling in the, in the best practices? I think it was just being uneducated. And I think that's why it helped me so much taking some classes like that to just be aware of the surroundings and, and the, the animals and the bugs and everything, you know, I mean, we were always taught in that class to feed the bugs, not the plant, you know, and I don't think a lot of people know what that means. You know, when somebody dumps some fertilizer onto a plant, they don't realize they're just feeding that plant. They're not worrying about the soil food web underneath the macro and the microorganisms. That's really what is making this world turn here. And you got to take care of those things, even the birds and you know, the birds and the bees. Yeah, baby, the birds <laughs> and the bees, for sure. What, yeah. what, now, what is some of that, what, what is some of that stuff? The, like, the, you know, the macro and the micro, um, you know, what, like, what is something that we want to achieve for, uh, for healthy soil? Like, what's the, you know, what's the ultimate goal? Yeah, I guess the end goal would be to create something. I mean, it's important to listen what the customer wants, but, I'll, you know, when you're educating them on to doing things the healthy way, you know, someone would, ask me to renovate their lawn. And they thought I was just going to basically 
bring in some fertilizers, maybe some grass seed and but it really was a lot more than that, uh, especially what we were taught in the National Organic Farmers Association. Um, and then Paul Tukey, he wrote a great book on organic turf management. And there was a whole regimen on aeration and creating air into the soil. And uh, before you're putting anything down, take a soil test and make sure that you're deficient in some of the things that you're about to put on. Whether it's organic fertilizer or chemical fertilizer, I think it would be important to take a soil test and know what you have before you just start dumping a bunch of money and powders and dusts onto your lawn. But, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of the issue was just a lack of air. It was anaerobic soil. So it was pretty easy to get air back in there as far as turf management goes. It was just an aerator and you just either stood on it or walked behind it or whatever type of machine you had. And that would usually solve a lot of the problems. Right. And then you mix that with a little compost on top for a little top dress and a little grass seed. And next thing you know, you don't need any fertilizer for the next 10 years. You just have a beautiful green grassy lawn like a lot of people wanted. I'd try to convince them to uh, plant some gardens instead of the grass. But there's a lot of money in this area in Kittery Point. So... A lot of people had large food gardens and they had large grass areas. So you just learn to take care of both. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool. Um, you know, everyone, like I said, we want people to grow foods, not lawns, but we know that people are growing lawns. Absolutely. And so like if there's, if there's a way to help and there's a better way to do it, I'm glad that, that you were doing that. Correct. Um, you know, to get the, you know, get a, instead of showing up, I know like Scott's, you know, you, you sign up, you pay him 400 bucks or whatever, and they show up four times, you know, Scott's one through four. And that's just like, you know, just horrible because it's like you're just trying to put, you're basically just trying to put the nitrogen um, and all, all the rest of the, you know, the stuff that the plants need with all these other, you know, horrible chemicals, you know, back into the soil. When the soil, if you do it appropriately, the soil should, you know, produce this on its own. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the times I would ask these fertilizing companies, uh, the employees that were working for them, what are you putting down? They never had any idea what they were putting down. They weren't wearing masks. I mean, they did everything wrong. And at the same time, they're poisoning our environment. It was just bullshit, really. Yeah. Still is. It, they're all over the place. And we have such beautiful coastal areas. Uh, I just can't believe they still allow that shit. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's definitely horrible. Um, now, I, what, where was the transition? You know, you say, I, I know that we, you know, you were at home and people were starting to come over and you started. But where, when did you decide, hey, you know, I'm going to start growing weed and I'm going to try to get, you know, try to get into this and, and you know, t tell me a little bit about that. I've always grown weed since I was probably 13 or 14. And I didn't do it to sell to anybody. I really didn't even do it to smoke it. I just loved seeing that plant grow. And I would always try to get an end result. And sometimes I got something a little bit here and there, but I always just enjoyed it. And so... After a few years, I tried growing it inside, and I really liked doing that, and I made a lot of mistakes, and I think that was the funnest part was failing and trying to correct those mistakes, and it just kept getting better and better, and then it led me to just want to have the cleanest medicine out there. Uh, I, there's so many growers that are growing with chemical salty fertilizers that don't care about what's in their medicine. And I do at, 
that's going into my lungs. So I don't really want something weird that I don't know about that I haven't researched going into my lungs. I'd rather just have it as clean, organic, natural as possible. I don't want dried up pesticides or salty chemicals possibly still in there. Yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. Uh, that's definitely what every, you know, if we could have that for everybody, that would, that would be the giddy up. Um, and it's kind of sad that there's a ton of cannabis out, a ton of cannabis and a ton of food out there that has all these bullshit chemicals in there. Um, now, so tell me a little bit about the, about this growing process though. It must be, it must be pretty unique and, and how you, cause I, I, you know, I know I've been to, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a grower, um, but I, I've been to my fair share of grows and I understand the process and I under, you know, and I've, uh, I've witnessed, you know, the, these harsh chemicals being used, you know, quite a bit. And so I just am uh, kind of curious about how, you know, how did, how, how do you pull it off? Cause I know that you guys, you know, you, you guys, great business, your business has been growing forever. So you're, you're obviously doing something right with the, you know, the methodology you're using. Yeah. My brother, he's a very, very experienced organic grower. Um, <clears throat> we both have read a lot of great books on organic gardening, one being the um, Elliot Coleman's Organic Grower, the first organic grower, I think it's called. It's a great book, Elliot Coleman. And um, he has really taught me a lot in how he does things. And um, we kind of teamed up and now we work together. But we just try to create a living soil where the bugs can be happy and they can do their thing. And we just try to make the rest of the environment as easy as possible for the plant and as natural as possible. And we would never use any type of pesticides, you know. We'll, we would try to use the most natural pest management possible. You know, that doesn't say we don't run into problems, but we have other books that we can uh, go in a more organic, natural way when we run into those type of issues. So, so there, you are using some chemicals, but they're just organic chemicals? I guess, no, we're not using any chemicals. I mean, I don't know if neem oil would be considered a chemical. I guess not, but uh, that's probably as harsh as we go, you know. Um, I guess it really depends on if it was om omni-rated and, and such things and, and depending on the situation. I know back in landscaping, um, worst case scenario, we would have to use integrated pest management. So after, and even with the National Organic Farmers Association, we would fall back to integrated pest management. So we would try all the organic natural practices as possible. We'll try to uh, create get rid of whatever we're trying to fix. And if that wasn't the case, then we were able to use a uh, very light and proper chemical chemicals that would seem to help. But most of the time, if we really get a bad problem, we're just throwing the plants out and starting fresh. Right. <laughs> okay. And that, that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's not like, you know, that's not usually what people in this industry, you know, would, would do. You know, they would usually just, they're trying to make money. It's, you know, a lot of capitalists out there. So I, I think that that's really cool that you guys are doing it that way. Yeah, we, we try very hard to, to keep it all natural. How, how big of a grow are you doing this at? Like what, you know, what's the size? 2,500 square feet and one of them and the other is about 3,000 square feet. And then we're still working on our third 
build out indoor, and then we have a large area for our outdoor as well, our sun-grown. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. What, what do you think about the difference between sun-grown cannabis versus, uh, you know, indoor medical can- uh, indoor cannabis? Well, I personally think it, uh, it, it creates a, a better taste. Uh, it doesn't quite look quite as nice. The sun, you're saying? Sun-grown, yeah. yeah. The Mother Nature, the full-spectrum sun really produces a great product and I love just being outside and I, I think the plants do too. <laughs> that's, I think where so. they, that's where they belong. Um, we've kind of domesticated them into indoor cultivations, but you know, that's just the industry. And I think there's plenty of place for outdoor sun-grown uh, cannabis as well. And we do a lot of that. And I prefer when I am medicating, I would prefer to, to have uh, the most natural full spectrum sun in my, in my medicine as possible. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way about it. Um, you know, I, it's wild cause we can, we, we do know that about the sun and we are in some cases, you know, mimicking the, the, the same type of light that's, you know, that these plants are getting from my understanding, but it, these plants have been doing this dance with the sun for millennia. You know, so just like human beings, you know, just like we, you know, we need exposure to light, uh, you know, to, to exist. It's how we're going to be the happiest if we, you know, neuro- neuroscience is, you know, really, really starting to come along in that right now. Mm. Um, you know, if you expose yourself to light early in the morning, you're going to have better sleep patterns. You know, your melatonin, your circadian rhythm, everything is Absolutely. more so I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And so it's the, uh, the plants are this, the same exact way. And I, you know, I really do think that there's something to that, like, you know, whether we'll ever get to study that or if it will get lost in, in the translation because of the capitalism behind it, you know, who knows? 100%. It's funny. They tell you to stay out of the sun. <laughs> yeah, right. They do. I don't think that's the that's the right way to do it. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that, you know, I think that in some cases, you know, you do need to protect yourself from the sun. Like, you know, you, do, you know, some people can, you know, with fairer skin can have, you know, skin cancer can, you know, I think the sun can cause that yeah. and it can be a thing. But yeah, staying out of the sun is definitely not what not what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, you can just the the only sunscreen I wear is a brimmed hat or a long sleeve shirt. I I think that's in, and it's appropriate to get out of the sun when need be. And I also think it's important what's inside your body that can make the sun unhealthy in your body, because if you're filled with canola oil or bullshit seed oils. Yeah, you might get cancer a little faster than the person who's drinking raw milk and, uh, you know, organic uh, whatever, you know. Tourmaline water. <laughs> the tourmaline water. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, I guess they, they're going to get a free plug today, but we're going to we're gonna have to talk to them about some, some, ad, some, some ad time, some sponsorship. But it's a great water. It is a great water. Mark came in today with a, you know, tourmaline water and, you know, kind of just on his whole, um, you know, his, you know, his whole, you know, existence is, is about that, trying to optimize his experience. And tourmaline, uh, you know, this water here up and it's produced up in Maine. It's actually the only, uh, the only aquifer that doesn't touch, uh, it doesn't touch plastic or anything before it's bottled. It doesn't touch anything before it's bottled right into there. Um, so it's, it's pretty incredible how they're, how they're doing it. And, Water matters, you know, uh, matters big time. Um, you know, when I started taking that, uh, you know, I would go to the gym, I was at yoga and I, you know, I didn't bring my water that day and I started drinking the tourmaline. It, it changed everything to the point where I was then going up to my bee sanctuaries and I found a spring and I was sourcing my own water from a spring on the side of the road and, you know, up in the mountains in New Boston. 
So I had to it change my life, that water, you know? So it's cool to see that, that, you know, you take it as well. Spring water is definitely the best water that can go in your body. And I think there's actually a website called findaspring.com where you can go on there and find a spring at whatever state you may be in. Yep. And like you said, you'll just find people on the side of the road filling up jugs. And uh, I like talking to those people when you get to a spring because they'll tell you some local stories. Oh, I've been drinking this water since I was five or my grandfather lived till he was 110. Yeah. We've lived here our whole life. So. My kids are this healthy, you know. <laughs> I love hearing the stories too, man. Every time I go, I'm I'm still trying to figure out the plastic thing. You know, I, I reuse the plastic and re- recycle and just filling up my jugs. I am still trying to figure out that portion of it. Definitely, yeah. I think drinking out of glass is pretty important. Yeah, it's a, it's what I always try. Oh, of course, man. I know we live in this society, but like we try, I try as my as much as I can to to drink out of glass, you know, or, or metal or whatever, you know. Yeah, I, I do a combination. Of, you know, I love this tourmaline spring, and I, I it's convenient to bring with me when when need but need be. But um, I do have uh, a Kangen water machine at my house, which is a great filter, and it actually separates the pHs of the water, which is a little more sustainable as far as, you know, not bringing plastic bottles with you. That's a, I think I'm pretty sure there's one in every Japanese hospital. It's really some of the best Kangen? water on the planet. K-A-N-G-E-N, Kangen water. Kangen, yeah. I, I think that they said that I'm on a water kick and I think that the filtration is, is so necessary and um, being able to adjust the pH, that's that's medicine. Yeah, it's know? pretty cool. It's it goes down as low as two point five if you really have have to sanitize or clean something, even a cut or something or a counter, and then it goes all the way up to eleven point five, which you can use to whiten your teeth or laundry detergent, um, and then just the regular drinking water, um, you can get it right there. And in the neutral, if you got to take like medication, and then I think. The, the best pH to drink to reduce the acidity inside is the 9.5, which is great. You can use 8.5 in your coffee, which slightly reduces the acidity. But uh, me and you were talking earlier, you know, all diseases thrive in acidic yeah. body. So if you can reduce that a little bit throughout the day, you're ahead of the majority. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I just think, I think the water, the water game needs to keep in, improving. Um, you know, the, the city that we do the, the, you know, the podcast, I actually can't speak to Newington, but Portsmouth has horrible water, you know, oh, it's so chlorinated, so chlorinated, like, you know, so people, you know, maybe looking to get in yourself a, a Kangen. Yeah. <laughs> They're expensive, but yeah. yeah like, what's a, what it. is the cost? Four grand. Four grand. Yeah. So that's the thing though, man, is it's like, you know, I don't, you know, I, four grand is that, that's a big cost, you know, for sure for anybody, a huge investment. But like, if you're your health and, you know, your, your kid's health and your, yeah. you know, your animal's health. I feel like, like you're either going to pay it now or you can pay it at the doctor later, but one way you're going to pay it. Yep. A hundred percent. What Now what's your, what's your opinion on the water with the, the, you're feeding the plants? We just have, um, big boy filters that take out the chlorine and, uh, chlorine can inhibit some of the, the plants uptake in some of the different nutrients that we have in our living soil. So we just try to get as much of that chlorine as possible, get rid of as much of that chlorine as possible. And so those big boy filters seem to do a pretty darn good job. They have carbon filters and um, we put two of them in a row. So they got to go through the four filters before they even get to the plants. That's, um, 
that's as good as it gets over there. I'm not giving my plants the Congan water. I'm saving that for me, <laughs> me and my family and my daughters. Yeah, giddy up, dude. No, for sure. I I hear that. Um, but I'm glad that you're you're doing something because I know a lot of people are just you know just taking the the BS water and and you know city water or whatever and and you know feeding their plants with that. Yeah, yeah, it's. Or, it's unfortunate. Know, mixing it with nutrients, mixing it with harsh organic chemicals, and then and then feeding their plants. They don't have any other option, so I can't necessarily blame them. At least they're doing what they want to do. But you're right; like it's not ideal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not I'm not blaming these people. I mean, I think that if they are able to, then maybe they should. It would be cool if they could start working towards practices like yours. Um, you know, you've obviously set yourself up in a in a nice place where you can you know you can do that, and it's because it's obviously more costly, right? Doing what? your form of growing opposed to using the it's more costly i would assume a little bit yeah and it's also more labor you know it a lot of people are steering away from soil in general just because it's heavier and there's a lot more work to go with it and but you know i just they use like the, the cocoa coir yeah a lot of growers are using cocoa and it's you know it's very light it's easy to feed it's easy to flush and the plant seems to like it being in there and the roots grow easy, their air, you know, so I don't know much about it. I don't, I don't. Do right, that. but you don't do it, but you do the soil. Yeah, we do the soil. Yeah. And that, so did you have to introduce the bugs into the soil? Yeah. So, um, we use like a native compost to kind of inoculate. Yep. And, uh, I can't go too much in our soil recipe, but yes, we're inoculating, if you will. Cool. And, uh, you know, we, everything that we have in the soil that the plant and the bugs need is in the soil. We don't have to give it any liquid organic nutrients. We don't have to give it anything after we make our soil. It's, it's in there. That's it. We just water it. Just water. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's really cool, man. Like for, for people who are, um, you know, not too familiar with, with cannabis growing, like you know, like you said, some of these people, they have to be doing this or this is what they're, you know, how they think maybe this is how they think it's good to grow this way. I don't know. But like, you know, they're just dumping every day they feed their plants. They're dumping, you know, a one to, you know, a one to one mixture, um, you know, not, not one to one water, but one to one of, you know, whatever the, you know, the, ke- the chemicals that they're using, you know, talking maybe, you know, two cups of this, of this BS, two cups of that BS. And then they're just putting in, this is every day that they're, you know, that they're hitting their, their plants with these. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we do use one liquid and it's, it's just a compost tea. So we'll throw in some, um, lobster meal or crab meal, and then we'll mix that with some molasses and a few other little things. And that will create a lot of micronutrients. And that's one way that we do some inoculating, but, um, we do that probably a couple times through the plant cycle. And that seems to help for the soil and a foliar. Okay, cool. So you're so you're fully living it. The the organics in in Mark's organics. It's you guys aren't. <laughs> there's no bullshit to it. That's right. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, man. It's it's a, it's pretty cool because you know I'm a big believer in the, in the universe, and so I was you know I I could have picked a hundred brands, right? Like I could have picked a thought. You know how many ever delivery services were out there? Sure. But I picked yours. And then I consistently used your shop until I, you know, started doing this on my own. This is is where I exclusively, you know, was getting my medicine. And, you know, I didn't even know, you know, I said I was, I was bought into the brand and I was bought into you. So, uh, but I didn't actually know what you guys were doing. You know, I never took the time to, you know, to ask anybody, you know, how you guys were actually growing or, you know, what the process actually was. So 
that's it. It just makes me feel a lot better too about the you know the medicine that I was getting that I was being grown this way. Totally, yeah. And I can't say everything that we sell at our store is organic because we don't grow everything. There's just too much demand. Um, but we, if we are buying some products from other vendors, we do ask them uh, their practices, and we definitely pick and choose uh, the more cleaner and natural ones. A lot of the vendors are organic and a lot of the edibles that we sell are organic and full spectrum, but not everything is. And not everybody wants that and not everybody cares. And that's fine. You know, I care and that's fine too. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a kind of a cool way to look at it. Um, instead of being super, like you can be super angry about it and super, ah, you know, I want to be this way, but it's, you're just taking out, this is how you exist and this is how you want to push it forward. And I, I respect that a lot. Cool. Now, so we've got into the growing. So that's, is that kind of your thing? You know, cause like I said, you know, you, you just, you're mostly growing with your time or. No, no, actually. So obviously running, a, running a, the business is, you know, is crazy. So. I was, exactly, yeah. Running a business is crazy. Running cultivation is crazy. Wholesaling, retailing. But, um, yeah, I was doing a lot of the growing, and then it just seemed to be easier to hire somebody smarter than me, better than me to take care of that. That freed me up to expand a little bit. We're looking for a second location for our store, which we think we found one. And we wanted to expand our cultivation. So we're on our third build out for our indoor cultivation. We're looking to acquire more land for our outdoor cultivation. And there's a lot of work to be done with that. So we have some equipment and um, there's a lot of uh, clearing. And it's not just you buy a piece of land and you're able to grow. It's there's a lot of work that goes with it. And me and a uh, little crew have to go out and we got to take care of these properties and make sure that they're ready for cultivation and ready for buildings and ready for the contractors. And so it's throughout the day, uh, that's usually what I'm doing is going from cultivation to cultivation, making sure things are going properly and making sure that uh, we're, we're keeping up with the schedule. Uh, giddy up and that that's awesome that you guys are are working on a second location that's that's awesome do you wholesale to anyone else because you said that you had a, a you know you have a tough time keeping up with the demand for your own for your own flower but do you wholesale your flower to anyone else or do you strictly sell that through your store we wholesale a little bit as this third indoor <clears throat> excuse me cultivation comes about i think we're going to be wholesaling quite a bit more because we're going to have more product um, but we're also growing more strains. So I think that is a big thing. We want to have variety. And right now we have a lot of variety, but we're also having to buy that variety. And now that we can grow more variety, um, you know, we know how much we can sell at our store. So that gives us a little um, play to wholesale a few, which is nice. I, we've never really been able to do that. And it's nice having a little extra weed to wholesale. And it's really not a wholesaler's world right now, unfortunately, but um, it's a retailer's world. So <laughs> the more you can sell in your store, the better off you are. Yeah. And that, that seems like you guys are, are, you know, set up for success that way. Um, for sure. I'm curious though, that you'd mentioned that they're more patients are coming from out of state than from in Maine. And I, I'm, I'm just curious about that a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why, but I have a hunch that it has something to do with the variety that they may have, that they don't have a variety (laughs) or enough of it. Maybe it's more taxes. I know that the prices in Massachusetts and New Hampshire are crazy compared to Maine. Maine's very lenient um, when it comes to edibles and concentrates and stuff. The amounts that you can purchase are more in Maine than the other states. The amount of milligrams. Well, the actual amount of concentrate you're allowed to buy too. I think in Massachusetts, you're only allowed to purchase 10 grams at a time. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere around there. And in Maine, I think you're allowed to sell 70 grams at a time. Wow, okay. And then I think it's different with flour as well. I think it's two and a half ounces in Maine, and it might only be an ounce or two in Mass. But those small little things push people towards us. And it's not just one of them. It's it's a whole list of things that push people towards Maine in general. Yeah, Because New Hampshire's no better. <laughs> yeah, no, New Hampshire is... Shit show. It's a shit show. Yeah. And are you guys... Have you, if New Hampshire went, you know, if they did go, um, you know, I know you guys are, are, you know, they are medical over there, but if they, if they went adult use and then maybe their medical program got a little bit better, would you ever be, you know, be interested in maybe trying to get over there? That's a good question. I don't think so. Not necessarily New Hampshire. Um, I don't know. Something rubs me the wrong way about New Hampshire. I just they kind of want liquor stores to take over and be the the people who are going to sell the weed. <laughs> I don't really know much about it, so I shouldn't talk too much about it, but it just seems like I should stay out of New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. I, I think that it is a mess, you know, in, in terms of that. I mean, the bill, that was the last bill that they put up and that got that got rejected. Correct. Now there's another one that, that that's being put in front of the house this year that will be, um, you know, more so like Maine. You can grow at your house, uh, private licenses, so we'll we'll see how that one um, goes. We're actually hoping to have somebody on the show to come and talk about that a little bit more. But I agree, it's it, New Hampshire's a shit show, and they need to, to figure it out. And if I was in your place, I probably wouldn't be, you know, looking to you know to get my business over there, anyways. I think it's really cool that they're considering letting New Hampshire citizens grow. I mean, I think that's the best part. I I try to get all my patients to at least try to grow. We sell some clones and cuts uh, when the for outdoor season come May. And we try to get everybody to at least try to grow one or two or however many plants they want to grow. And not because we want to take business away from us, just so they can get the feeling of the, the gratitude and uh, the care for what goes into these plants. And it's important for them to feel that. Uh, make You know, just being around plants makes me happy. So I can't imagine everybody else wouldn't feel the same way. Yeah, and like that, we can't speak for everyone, I guess. But it, being in my garden, you know, like my my you know my vegetable garden, and watching those plants grow and, and being a part of that with them, it's there's you know few other feelings in the world that are that are better. Hundred percent agreed. Doesn't matter what kind of garden it is, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. Just get get me outside with the plants, and even if it's inside, that that's okay too. Yeah, if if you have to be inside, then yes. Right, giddy up. Um. <laughs> I, I think that the outdoor, you know, just to go back a little bit, the outdoor weed is, you know, the sun-grown weed. I really hope that we get to, you know, study that at some point. We do some, you know, some, you know, some randomized control trials of, you know, indoor grown flower versus outdoor grown flower. I think it's, it just, it makes sense that it would be, you know, 
vastly different and you know vastly more beneficial for yeah. you know, for us. I think there's just completely different properties in some of it. I mean, when I had my indoor trim processed into uh, some concentrate, and then I had my outdoor trim or outdoor fresh flour, whatever it may be, processed into some either resin or batter. It's amazing the terpene levels compared to the indoor. It's I can't even. I wish I could show you the video here. Uh, maybe I will later, but it's unbelievable the terpene content which came from our sun-grown compared to our indoor cultivation. It was amazing to see how much extra terpenes were there. It was quite mind-blowing, and it was the best that's ever come out this year. So uh, we added a couple things to our soil recipe, our outdoor soil recipe. So we're still experimenting with that. And we're just trying to, you know, experiment one thing at a time. You can't put too many things in because then you're never going to know what worked and what didn't. Right. No, for sure. It's definitely a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the terpenes, what, what, do you, what do you think about the terpenes? I think the terpenes are really the, the benefit here. I mean, we, we need to do a lot more research on the terpenes in general, but there's a lot of properties that, you know, I don't think we should be leaning towards this whole sativa, indica, racket i think we should be leaning more towards what profile works for what person and i think that comes down to the actual terpenes that are in each flower the profiles um and some people can get away with just saying oh yeah myrcene yeah anything with myrcene will work with me and then other people need a combination of linalool or different terpenes that work together synergistically so it's very important that we research more of that and maybe get away from this whole sativa daytime, indica on the couch. Yeah, I think that that we definitely got to get away from that. That's where, you know, like so we're all about educating people and trying to help people be well, you know, individuals, community, society as a whole. And like the, the terpene question needs to be, it needs to be researched. Uh, you know, from like, you know, from my background, like, you know, when people started just saying, like, oh, this is a, a indica, this is a sativa, this is a, a hybrid, and this is the it's just gonna make you feel this way. And it's like, well, I know cannabis makes me feel vastly, vastly different depending on the strain. And those it doesn't it doesn't always match up with, you know, indica, sativa, you know, whatever. So you start to get more into it and you learn, you know, mercy and linoline, all these, all these, you know, the terpenes that are that are in the flower. It's incredible. Once we'll be able to pair that with the effects, uh, you know, to help this person has anxiety, this person has depression, this person should get this, this person should should get this. We need more people researching that exactly. Yeah. And I think that, that that's coming. I think that, you know, before last year, uh, you couldn't even study, you know, it was very hard to to study uh, flour, you know, you know, for, from a research standpoint. It was the only flour that was being grown, I believe, in Mississippi. Uh, you know, it, the people who have been growing it the same way for a long time, uh, that's, that has started to change now where you can get, uh, you know, Maine, for instance, like you said, the, there's a reason why the mass people are coming to Maine and, you know, New Hampshire people are coming to Maine. It's, it's because it was really good weed. You know, it's probably the best weed, some of the best weed in the country. Um, and that's, you know, we have people who, you know, we're at the, you know, conferences who tell us that all the time just because of their Maine tag, you know, people come up to them and say, oh, damn, you're from Maine. That's incredible. Like, it's probably because of people like you who they at first said, you know, before you could do 2,500 square feet or 3,000 square feet in the, and you can only have 36 plants per caregiver. That, that's correct, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think it was just from, um, just from 
the good weed that they're coming down. But I think Maine has a genius, well, maybe not genius, but a great medical program compared to the rest of the country. I mean, look at California. I mean, their medical program went to shit. I don't think anybody's making any money over there. And I don't know if anything's medical over there at all. I just know that people, so I, I don't even think any caregivers had to pay taxes last year because they're selling pounds for 100 or $200 to each other. And who the hell knows what else is going on over there. But Maine, I mean, we've had it pretty good comparably speaking for the past few years and we've had a lot of people try to screw it up and Mainers in general have really kept up with the meetings and just trying to make sure that it's not destroyed by deep multi-state operators which are usually the people to ruin something good yes yes they are and that's I mean Maine is so unique uh, be- because of that, there's this, you can literally go to, you know, State Road in Kittery and you can have, you know, four medical dispensaries that are right there that are all still in business that are, that are doing well. There's cars always there. But then you have an adult use facility right down the street in Elliott. And they, they're, you know, in other states that, you know, that's going to, you know, the medical would keep getting pushed out or, you know, continued. They wouldn't, you know, the people wouldn't, maybe the, you know, Mainers are really great at lobbying. And like you said, they're, they're showing up to the meetings. They're, they're doing the work. They're staying up on it. They're, you know, creating their business. They're being very smart with the way they're positioning their businesses. Uh, but the, the multi, the deep state multi operators, they're always going to come and they're coming here now. But I, st- I think that Maine medical st- doesn't go the way of California. It doesn't go the way of, you know, even like Massachusetts, where in Massachusetts, it's, you go into the same shop and, you can, whatever the milligram is, if it's, you need to get higher milligrams and you have your card, you're going to not pay tax. And then you just get the higher milligrams. Um, I don't think that ever exists. In, maybe, maybe, but I don't think that exists in Maine. I think that there's space always for a, a Mark's Organics and a, an East Coast Cannabis. I agree. I think definitely. I mean, whenever I see somebody that I know that doesn't have a med card that I know consumes cannabis and I ask them, why don't you get a medical card? And they just have no reason why they should. They have no idea that it's slightly more taxes, slightly less variety, slightly more money, slightly more people that you might have to wait in line in front of. I'm not getting down on the adult use recreational market. I just, we have considered it in the past and we've come to the conclusion that it would be a disservice for our patients to even try and we just enjoy the whole medical process. We like signing people up for cards. We like having them talk to the doctors and talk about their tolerance and what their ailments and what's wrong with them and their, why are they taking this and just asking them questions about themselves and figuring that out. You don't really get that with the adult use market. I mean, no one really cares why the kid's coming in there to buy a pre-roll, you know, and who knows, maybe there is an ailment there, but that's just the way I have heard people talk about it. And, um, I don't, I don't, uh, ever plan on going into the adult use market myself, but I have nothing against it. And I know East coast cannabis, they do a great job. And I, I know those guys, uh, they're very nice people and I think they're doing a great, great thing. Yeah, I, 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 and that's the whole thing. I think that there's 
there's space for everybody here. And, and you know, as long as the deep, deep-pocketed multi-state operators don't come in and, and with their sharp elbows and try boxing everybody out, you know, and that's why like, Maine, you know, has to stay strong that way because that's what the, that's what they will try to do. They'll try to make it impossible through legislation, through whatever, so that people it makes it harder to get the card or it. You know, there's you know now you're getting taxed at some point with you know through through medical like. Um, you know, they try to cap it at the the amount of milligrams because they can only give a hundred milligrams. Yeah, um, exactly. Or they cap the number of stores, or they make the license twenty thousand dollars, so no mom and pop could afford it, but right. the deep pockets can, the MSOs can. You know, at one point we weren't even allowing out of state um, operators. You had to live in this state for four years before you could open up a store or a cultivation, and now they just stopped that. So anybody out of state can come in and do whatever they want. But I, Maine is good about that kind of stuff. They know the local people, they know what's around. And I think Mainers are pretty good at sniffing out fraud (laughs) from the multi-state operators. You know, there's, I won't drop any names here, but there's a few in Maine that I think a lot of people know enough just not to go to. And I see them shutting down their stores because no, they don't care. They don't really, yeah, they might be medical, but I don't think they really care about their patients. I don't think the owner or the CEO would be there and figuring out what is wrong with the the old lady walking in who has a hunchback or in a wheelchair, you know? It's like... Not where they're spending their time. No. Yeah, no chance. And that's why I, it you know, it can get... it. You know, it might get a little wild and it might be, you know, it's going to definitely be different, but I, I just, I pray and I hope that the, that this beautiful medical market always exists for these patients. Uh, and at the same time, I hope that the adult use market continues to grow. And, you know, when we, there's 10 million people who come up to Maine and the, you know, at the end of the, uh, you know, every summer that let's service them as well. You know, and a lot of those people are, are medical patients as well, but, uh, you know, no, going Making sure that that is protected is something that like needs to you know needs to be the case and doesn't go the way of you know medical just doesn't exist anymore because you know you have to and the only thing I can think of is it's the card you know you need the card and the card is a good thing because it it allows people to you know have that di- diagnosis and, and understanding that but that's also a barrier to someone coming into your store. Yeah, exactly, and it is a barrier. I mean, the way the federal government has made it seem like they would take away your guns. You know, you're not supposed to have a gun and a medical card. I think that pushes a lot of people away. I don't necessarily think, I think you just can't really be driving around with a gun and a bunch of weed, but you could technically have your medical card and a gun. I know many people that do. So uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. So that's actually... About I think like a month ago, uh, somebody had come out uh, from I think it's maybe out of Oklahoma because they just went and they ruled that it was unconst that's actually unconstitutional. So yeah, and it won, right? It won, yeah. That's so, right. That so was awesome to see. It is awesome to see because it's like that is a you know Mainers love their firearms and like you know right rightfully so whatever yeah, whatever you know, yeah do your thing do and your thing. yeah especially like you know ha- most of these people have their firearms because they're hunting you know that they hunt for food you know like exactly. so the fact that that, that was just wild to me you know you can't you, uh, you can have a gun and you can go get all this booze like literally at any time 
but you can't have cannabis. It just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Really doesn't. No, I, it's crazy. It's yeah. I mean, there was prohibition for alcohol. There was prohibition for cannabis. And I just, I can't see how, what's going to happen when it's federally legal. I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen with the whole market? Yeah. So that's, it's so curious, right? Because the, there are states out there, especially a place where up in Maine in the Northeast, where we only get 79 Sundays per year. And especially when we know that this, you know, outdoor weed can, can be as good as out as indoor weed, especially when it's being processed, you know, it can be, it's even, you know, better. You're getting better results. Maybe better. It, yeah. it may be better when it's being processed. So there, there, you know, people like you and, you know, people like East Coast Cannabis and, and these, you know, that's going to be, that could be really challenging if, uh, you know, Oklahoma, who just gave out unlimited licenses and has so much open space, you know, all these, uh, some of these other Southern states that have so much open space, they come on board, they have, you know, just acres and acres of outdoor flower that they just are t- churning, churning out. Sure, they're behind the eight ball a little bit, so it takes some time to catch up and all that, but, you know, eventually they're, have, they're able to, you know, sell pounds a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, than up here in Maine. They can just produce them for cheaper. And so maybe there's a way that the, you know, the federal government comes in and says, okay, these four states, or you pair states, okay, this state can't grow as much weed. So Oklahoma can sell to, to Maine and, you know, Texas can sell to, you know, uh, to New Hampshire and Arizona can sell to New York. Um, but I don't know if you like, if you do just let the market like, figure itself out, like in a true capitalistic sense, I think that could be really bad, you know, these, st- and I think the states will, will try to protect them. You know, that's revenue just going out the, the tax revenue, just disappearing from them overnight. You know, Maine probably, Maine loves their, Maine is great with their cannabis users and their, they help their adult use and medical a lot. OCP is great. That's because they're, it's a great thing for the state. It's paying the state a lot of money. It's, um, but if that, if that gets undercut by another state that can just do it way cheaper, the whole program, both sides, adult use and medical, could just be flipped on its head. Correct. So and I feel like that has happened in some other states. You know, it's just it was good, and then it turned into crap because there's too many hands in the cookie jar. Yeah, exactly. Too many licenses and too many, and let's because it's wild. It's like you have to kind of, you know, Maine was kind of cool with it because it got you know slow, and they kind of just let people do their thing. And but now it's like a place like Oklahoma where it's. You know, people have been chomping at the bit, ready to go, you know, and they know they could do it, send, you know, and the unlimited licenses, there's, you know, there's no protection there. Yeah. I mean, you got to be careful when you're putting caps on licenses or stores and stuff like that, because, I mean, I'm pretty sure the town of Portland got sued for trying to put a cap on the number of stores. And look how many stores are in Portland now. I mean, if you opened up a store in Portland, you you I'd be surprised if you got a customer a day. Literally. There's so many stores out there. Uh, and it's a great place. It's filled with wonderful people, great cultivators, and great stores. I know a lot of the people that are out there, and they have great products, but it is flooded. Yeah, it's it's super flooded. With the Portland situation is, like you, like you said, some you can go into the store, and they might be getting one customer. You know, you might see, you know, you see flower that's been there for six, you know, for six months, you know, and like, you know, you have people who, you know, I know some, uh, you know, some cultivators, Adele use cultivators who have had some stores call them back and be like, Hey, do you do buybacks? Like, that's how, <laughs> that's how bad it is when yikes. you, yikes, right? Yeah. 
So when you do certain things, the you know, you know, the you do certain things that can just really crush the you know crush the market. Whether it's 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 you know super finicky, I guess. Definitely. And so so what you know what what do you think? Do you think that it you know what do you, if you know full send you know federal legalization? Let's just let's go and. I honestly don't know, and I I don't even know where to start. But I've t- talked to a lot of people in. OCP. I've talked to some people in the Food and Drug Administration that gives us our kitchen license and stuff, and they had seemed to think that the markets were going to merge somehow, and I just can't seem to organize that thought in my head. I don't see how that would happen, uh, but they seem, at some point, they really seem like the, the market, the adult use and the medical are going to merge. I don't know how that would work. I have no idea. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of new rules and regulations, but honestly, I don't even really care that much. I'm just, <laughs> I'm in the present right now, and I don't want to look into the future too much. No, that, I think that's, that's a giddy-up, and that's definitely a, a good model for you right now. I think that what that, those people are saying, if, okay, if, yes, if we could create something and merge the markets together, that, that, would, be, that would be good, but you... To actually get there, that's like you just said, it's insanity. Yeah, I mean, the wreck side of things, it seems more expensive, more difficult. You got to jump through a million more hoops. And, you know, sometimes it's a little difficult on the medical side, but like it just doesn't seem fair to like those adult use people and the medical people. I don't know. There's just so many things to take into consideration there's so many holes with it because it's like you you know you have all this stuff right there's and that's for the deep pocketed multi-state operators that's why they're going to be pushing for that merge and that's why we 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 don't want the programs to merge i think i'm pretty pretty uh agreed yeah i think that we're that's pretty solid that's where the dr b well stands when we we don't want them to merge because if if they merge how it happens it plays out the deep state multi-operators, they come in and they, they're the ones who are able to pay for the licenses. They're going to lobby so hard to make those licenses more expensive so that they're out of reach from the mom-and-pop medical store. And then they, could, they just get smoked. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, not, not the model, I don't think, is the, the merge. But you got to think because there is so much money in it and people have so much invested in this that they're like, like even the, you know, for me, I think about like D8, you know, Delta 8. Like, this is a compound when, you know, Delta-9 is the compound that, you know, that we're always talking about that is THC, that what we know about. Delta-8, people are selling it right now all over the place. It's a gray market. You know, people like you go down to Florida where there's, you know, there's no, it's not a, you know, there's no adult use market. And you walk in and there's, you know, these shops that are smoke shops, but you go in there and it's D8 flour, it's D8 edibles, it's D8 everything. So it's like... They're, this the lobby are going to have to lobby against the D8, making that THC illegal because that undercuts the, the regular THC market. And so it's just there's so much of this, you know, like bullshit that that the that the multi-state operators would ha- like have to worry about that they're going to come down so hard on the laws. Like they're going to regulate it very, very much so I think at some point. Right now it's open. You can you have all these different chemicals, but the more and more we learn about it, the more regulation is coming, and I think it comes from the lobbying from those the deep pocketed, deep, deep pocketed multi-state operators. Definitely, I mean, there's always going to be some company or business or corporation that is going through loopholes and figuring out ways to sell, you know, it, like cannabis legally in a in a 
Florida convenience store, you know, they're buying that D8 and they're getting high off it and they don't need a medical card. I thought it was kind of genius when I first opened my store. I'm like, oh, so we could sell this product as long as it's clean and we get it from somebody local. We can sell this product to somebody who doesn't have a medical card and these, you know, everything else to people that do. And nobody wanted that junk and I don't blame them really because we couldn't really find it in state. So it was tough to find it like organic and local. And I just feel like if you're going to get the medicine, you're going to get the Delta nine, <laughs> you're going to get the good stuff. You're not going to get something, you, you know, find a friend that has a medical card, you know, do whatever yeah. you got to do. Right. Yeah. Do whatever you're going to do. And I, I think that maybe at some point we should study, you know, Delta eight and see what's up and see what's good with that. And yeah, sure. Maybe Delta 10 and 11. Sure. Yeah. Why, why not? Right. And do I think research. That, that's what they do the research. I think that's the full spectrum, you know, experience is, is what people is what we want. I know that the D eight that what you're talking about and like, you don't know if it's locally sourced, you don't know this. It's a, you know, a lot of this D eight was converted from CBD. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Through, through a harsh process. So like, I think they, Technically, it had to be derived from CBD, and it was like a big, long extraction process that used a lot of it. Yep. But I don't know much. Yeah, I mean, that. That, 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 sounds, that sounds right, and I'm not super well-versed in it either, but I think that it's, it's uh, you know, the, just that chemical conversion that, you know, that's some, something's up with that, you know, maybe. So it's not, you know, not something that you, you want to do without studying a little bit further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when I started looking into it, I was like, yeah, I'm glad we didn't go full board with this stuff. Right, <laughs> right. It, it's because it, it's it's funny, you know, you see different different reports of it, like how, you know, I think that maybe they're going to have different effects, just like the terpenes have different effects. This is a different chemical. It's gonna... Definitely, definitely. So and I feel like something new is coming out every day. And, you know, back then, everything was new. Even selling weed legally was new, you know, so... For a new product to come out, we're always looking at new things, but you, you educate yourself, you you have friends in the community and in the industry, and you got to chat with them and figure out what's working and what's not. And it there's a huge community in Maine, which is nice, and that falls back on that medical program. But um, it, it's nice to just sit and talk to other vendors and other cultivators and see what's working and what's not and it's nice. It's there's a great community around here. Yeah, I think the the community is great. I think that's what's going to keep pushing it forward, and uh, you know, hopefully, making it withstand forever. Um, you know, getting some smart people involved in in the you know the legislation and figuring out exactly how Maine Medical gets to stay uh, or grow into you know what it's going to become alongside these adult use shops. Because it, it sucks, man. It's like you know you have. People, it's easy for people, you know, it does it, you know, your medical card lapses and the next time you're over, you say, dang, I want some weed. I, I don't want to go get my medicine. It's like, oh, my medical, but okay, I can go right down the street there. And, you know, we need to educate the people that, hey, you're, you are paying a little bit more money and all that, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, as long as the unconstitutional stuff about the, the guns and all this other stuff, like having a medical card isn't, you know, it's not bad. You know, I, I assume, you know, you're, you are tracking the people what they what they buy, so that is something that that is known. I guess that's one downside of a medical card is like the you know someone has access to your consumption, um, which is also a good thing because these are people who are providing you with the medical care. But the adult use side, they 
uh, you know, they scan your ID when you go in, but they don't they don't track what you're you know what you're actually buying. So maybe that's a, a benefit for people as well. I don't I don't. Really I think know. you're right. Absolutely, a lot of people from Massachusetts will come by and say, "Well, I've maxed out on at my dispensary in Mass, and now I got to come down here and max out here." So <laughs> they're tracking what they're buying, and they're not being really tracked when they come over to Maine. So I mean, of course, there's legal limits that they can purchase, but you know they could bring a friend or, you know, there's yeah. other ways of getting around whatever is holding them back in, in, in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Right. And Massachusetts probably has their medical program all, you know, all giddied up and fine tuned where they know like this person is, it's, you know, now we're getting it. It's going up to the, you know, the main, the main list. They went to three different dispensaries or whatever. And they're, you know, they've used all their, you know, their personal medical card use. Sure. You know, they, the, the amount of weed they can buy. Exactly. Uh, it's a funny rule. Um, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily go for Mainers, though, because technically the rule in Maine, if they come in, they could buy 70 grams of concentrate. Then they could drive off and go home real quick and then come right back and buy 70 more grams. But somebody from out of state couldn't do that. Okay, so it's only from people in Maine that are allowed to buy. Uh, is it unlimited? It's limited to 70 grams, but they can go and get rid of that and then come right back. You know, we don't know where they go after they walk out our door. Right. But they could come right back in. Right. There's no... No yeah. lo- no laws around around no, that. Yeah. It's like a little loophole with, with Mainers. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's obviously why, you know, that's a thing that... I just said maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't track it you know maybe we shouldn't track it at all like you said because Maine doesn't really care you know obviously you know if somebody can buy 70 grams and then leave and then come back like that's okay that's fine but these kids at mass are coming up here because their dispensaries are saying you know you've bought too much it's like that I think that's maybe a little bit too much control like just how about we just to get a med card okay you get the med card you do the diagnosis you pay the 50 bucks whatever and then that's it then you have the med card you got to renew it sure you got to renew it but no tracking, no nothing of that. It's just you have the med card. I just thought that was funny because there's really no limit to the amount of bottles of whiskey you could buy or six packs of beer. I mean, why would they try to limit this? It's just, it's crazy. I know it's a slow process, but we need, it's just not logical. Yeah, I think that's like the logical bit of it sometimes is it's just like it's treated like such a different, you know, such a different, like such a like, like a hard drug, you know, like a, like when booze is the, the, the research is so incredibly clear. The reason the data is out there, like alcohol is worse, you know, than in, in zero benefit, zero benefit, you know, and it, it literally makes it, you know, is killing people, you know, to, to the, to the tune of, you know, whatever it is a year, I think, I don't know the, the stat, 300,000 people or whatever, you know, people die from drunk driving accidents and alcohol related cirrhosis. Like mm-hmm. it's fucking high. And it's probably even, it's probably even way higher than that too. You know, with all the people who are just, you know, because there are other disease states and it's, uh, you know, where with, within cannabis, you know, you're sure the smoking, not great, you know, not, not, not the best. But if you're putting the, you know, the best possible product in your body, maybe you don't have to worry about that as much. But, you know, like with what, you know, with what we do, you know, edibles, like as long as your, your brain is fully developed, I, I, I don't yeah, see the definitely. downsides of it, man. I agree. Like hot. Any type of hot smoke going into your lungs is not ideal, whether it's organic or not. Uh, but there's plenty of other ways, capsules and tinctures and edibles. And it just depends on the quality that you want going into your body. I, you know, I, we have plenty of organic edibles and we have plenty of 
edibles that have non-organic ingredients in there, and that's fine. I, not everybody wants organic, but I think it's important to at least have the variety. Uh, yeah. Yeah, giddy up. Do you guys? Do you guys? So you guys have organic? You love the giddy up. <laughs> I love the giddy up. Yeah, dude, it's the it's the <laughs> mantra. I just can't help myself. It's you know. Awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. It. we're actually we're you know we'll be coming out with a with a product pretty soon with the with the mantra on there. So we, we're hoping that that one's gonna you know gonna take off. Sweet. Doctor B Wells, the giddy up. Nice. Um. So do you have organic edibles at at the shop? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell tell me a little bit about that. Well, we make our own tinctures and our own capsules, and uh, we have one chocolate bar that we make all organic, and obviously we make our capsules and our tinctures with our flour, which is organic, Um, and we use organic coconut oil when we're infusing uh, the medicinal properties into it to make our capsules, and and then we get a couple um, organic products from a couple different brands. Norumbega is one of them. They do a really, really good job. Most of their edibles are lower dose and mixed with CBD, so a lot of them are one-to-one. They have a lot of um, CBN, CBG in them as well. Some are more uh, for sleeping. Some are more for daytime. Um, But that really comes down to the cannabinoids that are put into these edibles, the, the flour that they're actually using. Um, not necessarily sativa indica, but now that's a whole different topic of terpenes, you know, cannabinoids yeah. now. So, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's another thing that needs to be researched a lot more. Uh, everybody's been hearing a lot more about CBN and CBG and how good it is. And, but I still feel like even somebody like me, I feel like I, I could talk about it, but I'm really not that educated. I, I'm not I'm not like a scientist, so I, I can't tell you exactly what it's good for. I read articles on what it's good for and this and that, but I think there just needs to be a lot more research done on the cannabinoids and the terpenes. Yeah, I think we're just starting to figure it out, um, you know, and it, there needs to be so much more, you know, research on it, like you're saying. Um, but with the CBN and the CBG stuff, you know, maybe maybe we'll, maybe I'll do an episode about that stuff sometime. That might be nice for the listeners, but it's – like you said, we're just starting to figure it out. We're just starting to scratch the surface of this. And to be honest, I think like we're just starting to scratch the surface of the plant. I think that there's so much more benefit that we're going to end up finding out that in like a hundred years from now, people are going to be like, you know, you couldn't fathom that, you know, cannabis is being used, uh, you know, for this, you know, in this manner for this disease state. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like they're coming out with new THCOs and THCPs and this THCO is 10 times stronger than this Delta 9 and it's just getting a little confusing. I'm glad the research is being done, but I feel like some of it isn't necessarily for the right reasons. They're like just trying to find another Delta something that they can sell to people in adult use, you know? And so I just want it to be the right kind of research and uh, I think terpenes and cannabinoids are definitely what we need to be looking in at this point. Yeah, it's it's the right kind of research, and like maybe we should, you know, I should do a whole episode on on that, like how to look at studies and to see who, you know, because like one of the biggest things is who is the study funded by, and why is the study being done? So true. And a lot of that time, a lot of the stuff, the, the answer to that question is because they want to sell a product and they want to prove something, um, you know, that may not even be beneficial. 
or you know, maybe it is. We just don't know. They just want to prove it so they can sell a product. Yeah, it's like trying to sell sell you uh, sunscreen on a hot day. You know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. It's, it's not. You know. It's not hard. You know. Not gonna they, lather that on me. Right. No. Exactly. No chance, baby. <laughs> I'll take no that chance. hat instead. I'll take the hat. Right. I'll I'll, I'll take the water. <laughs> yeah. You know. People always say to me like, you know, because I maybe because I don't drink and all this, but because I hydrate. You know. Oh, you have nice skin. You know. You have nice skin, Steve. You know. They always say that. And it's like. Well, yeah, because I drink a shit ton of water. I, you know, I, I don't drink alcohol, and I, I take care of my body. So, like, when it goes into the sun, I don't, like I said, I don't need to worry about that stuff. I mean, nothing if I'm going to... Nothing really to worry about. Yeah, nothing really to worry about. If I'm going to be outside all day, bareback, you know, getting it going on the beach, you know, yeah. which, I, which I do like to do, yeah. you know, I'll throw some, you know, some natural sunscreen on there, you know, some some blocker, you know, some some mineral, some minerals, but sure. I won't, you know, the, the, the chemicals, the, the chemical sun blocker is just... Banana boat? Oh, get out of here. Take it and throw it as far <laughs> as possible away from you, or, or into a trash can. Into you know, a trash can. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. So I I know that we you know we've talked quite a bit about about cannabis, but the the next thing that that's coming into Maine I uh, know you, you know I know Mark's Organics won't be going to try to get into New Hampshire or whatever they're going to stay in their lane and in, in medical and in, in Maine, um, but uh, psilocybin is is coming. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They tried to get it last year on some bill and it did not pass and. It, it's coming again this this spring, and so we, we don't know if it's going to pass or not, but I think a lot of the people in the cannabis industry are trying to prepare for that market. They want to be ready. They don't want to be the last one behind, and I think there's going to be a huge market for psilocybin. I think it can – the little bit of research that has been done has been mind-blowing, really, how, how much – it can benefit some people as far as depression or anxiety, PTSD, uh, all kinds of stuff. End of life. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Trying to get my mom. My mom's dying of cancer right now. I'm trying to get her to do the mushrooms with me, and she, uh, you know, she's not having it yet, but we'll, we'll see. We'll keep working on her. Sorry to hear that. My mother died of cancer. Oh, damn, bro. It's, it's brutal, right? It's it just, is. It sucks. Hard to go through sucks. But. You know, she got brain and lung so it's like, you know, it's great that she, it's amazing that she's with us for as long as she is. You know, love you, mom. Um, you know, it's so cool because, like, she got to meet my son and, and, you know, spend some time with him. And maybe she'll make it to my wedding this, this you know, this summer. That's awesome. Um, but she's, you know, a cool thing. You know, she uh, threw her to chemotherapy. You know, she was struggling with eating. And, um, you know, I was able to give, you know, give her some edibles, give her some Dr. B. Well honey. And, uh, awesome. yeah, it's really, really helped her, you know, regulate and, and makes her feel a little bit more comfortable and, uh, you know, helps her uh, definitely with the appetite regulation. That's just going to motivate you more in the future. So uh, God bless her. Yeah, man. That, and that, that's it, dude. Like I said, it's, you know, coming from somebody who's already been through it. You know, I'm, I'm so motivated um, for that, you know, for the, to get people to get, you know, the good, healthy Dr. Bewell brand. You know, that's, that's what we're all about is just providing the best, you know, best quality products out there. But the, the psilocybin movement is, that's one of the reasons why I moved to Maine, you know, was so I could, one, I could start, you know, easiest barriers to enter for cannabis. I could get into the cannabis market. But the long-term vision is is about the psilocybin and about what it can do for, for people. Uh, like you said, depression, anxiety, PTSD, uh, end of life. Um, you know, and that's that's just the stuff that's like, we just say that stuff because that's the stuff that we really need fucking help with right now. Yeah, because exactly. people are suffering so fucking bad. Just trying to get out of this depression here. Yeah, right. Yeah, exa- right, <laughs> we're exactly. We're depressed because we're in a depression. Right, yeah, <laughs> for, exactly. And so it's, it's you know, it can 
I think that that as long if it's if it's used appropriately in terms of uh, it's you know it's it's guided into the into society the right way. Um, you know, it's it's shepherded in you know appropriately. Uh, people are given access, uh, meaning that it's not like it'd be great if if it could go the same way as main medical cannabis, where people had people had true access. You know, to this, I, I do get worried that you know the pharmaceutical companies are going to come in and, and try to patent all this stuff because, like you said, the, the data that we're seeing from the, sm- the studies that have been done, it's incredible stuff. Absolutely, stuff we've never even seen before. Um, you know, people being you know just really, really starting to heal from you know the PTSD studies that that, that are out there. People healing from such traumatic experiences. The end of life studies out there that people are you know. Uh, before so you know so scared so afraid to 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 you know to go into that next stage in life and no they they're ready for it now they're they're fully encompassed they're present in it and it's just the fact that we've been using this medicine for millennia um it, you know since we since we as human beings have existed we have been using you know psilocybin mushrooms and it's super sad that it it's you know got to the point of where it did where I can't even tell my my mom thinks it's gonna make her go on this crazy trip where she's gonna you know end up uh, you know s- somewhere else and not well be she this- might depending on how much she eats <laughs> and that that is very true you you better believe it um, but I think that they you know they think that long term you know like they're gonna have long term negative effects got it when that's you know that's almost never the you know I've yeah I don't I've never been the case I don't you know I've never spoken to anyone I've never even I've never seen a, a, a case study where that's the case unless it's you know some bullshit propaganda um, but it's just the the medicine is is in the plant and it's the knowing that that we have access to it right now and it's creating this renaissance is like it makes me be grateful that I have a degree in pharmacy and that maybe I'm a, I'll be a person who can help people understand this and. Um, just like, you know, you've been a pioneer in, uh, you know, in the cannabis space here, you know, it's the same as, you know, same for me in the, you know, in the psilocybin space. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of research and development need to go into it. And I think this, these fruiting bodies have the potential to heal a lot of people that are in pain and that have to go day to day through with problems that they just can't seem to get rid of. And I think these are going to be a huge help, just like cannabis. I think it's going to fit right in with the caregiver medical uh, industry in Maine. I think there's going to be a lot of good things coming from psilocybin and a lot of people getting the help that they needed years ago. Yeah, I love that. And so, so Mark or, Mark's Organics is, is, you know, positioning themselves to be a part of that help. Definitely. Um, yep. We're, we're preparing ourselves and we're trying to talk to people about it. Um, but yep, so far, that's all we're doing. Just talking to people and preparing. Yeah, just, just talking and preparing. That's, that's all we're doing now. Um, <laughs> because it, it is coming, you know, that, uh, you know, things like this sometimes take time and, um, but there's, you know, a lot of groups that, you know, that I'm a part of up here in Maine that are, that are really starting to push this forward. And, um, it's, it's the only way so that it, it will happen. Definitely. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I, I didn't take mushrooms to, to cleanse my body or my mind or organize my thoughts. I took mushrooms to get fucked up because I wanted to <laughs> escape 
my reality to alter my mind. But then weirdly enough, I felt like a million bucks the next day. And I'm just like, what the hell's going on here? And then every time I did it, I never was hungover. I always seemed to have clear thoughts and feel good the next day. And it would last the day after. And it was bizarre. I never really knew what was going on. And then, you know, a few years ago, I started getting into microdosing and I really never looked back. I think there's really something to say about microdosing these. It's not like you're taking a bunch of mushrooms in the morning and you're fucked up all day. It's you're taking a very little amount and you don't feel anything. You don't really feel any different. The only thing you feel is like some euphoric feeling in the back that's driving you, that's motivating you, that's organizing what's your priorities and what makes you feel good and why you're living. And, you know, it's just a bunch of good thoughts going through. And I don't think there's really any negative side effects in my personal opinion, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, um, the, like the, it almost wants to make me cry because like the, the next day, right? So all these drugs out there that, that people take, you know, you know, Coke and opiates and all this stuff like that, you know, you do it and then you want more, you want more. And, and like, that's how I knew. That's how I knew about the mushrooms. Okay. Because when I was a young kid, like I said, I'm taking them to get fucked up. You know, I was super nervous about it before. I thought I was going to lose my mind, all this stuff, you know, my, my buddy, you know, the person I trust is, yeah, t- take this, blah, blah, blah. I take them. Percep- perception change. A hundred percent. And that's, I think that's the little voice in the back. You know, it's, it's allowing you to see different perception. It's allowing you to see different things. And all those thoughts that I had instantly, you know, were, were changed. And then the next day they got, they got so much, they got, were reinforced. I didn't think about it. I didn't want to do it again. I was just enthralled by this, uh, you know, like so taken aback by this unbelievable feeling of happiness that then I started saying, okay, what's the half-life of this drug? Is it still in my body? You know, it's been two weeks now. Uh, You know, I'm deep in my, I was deep in pharmacy school at this point. Is this drug still in my body? You know, how am I still having these good feelings from this? No, man, it's not. It's because you, you know, you, you rework some stuff in your brain. You had perception change. You were able to free yourself of some of that anxiety. You felt better. Yeah, it's crazy what it does to your your brain. Your there, I mean, the neuroscience behind it is it hasn't even been tapped. So I can't talk too much about it. I didn't go to college or anything, but I do know that I want to keep taking that <laughs> those <laughs> microdoses because uh, <clears throat> it how, makes me a better person. I feel like how often do you how often do you do it? Each morning, and then I take like a couple days off but I take 0.15 grams in the morning. Dude, I love it. I love it because – so what, like what, what Mark is saying here, ladies and gentlemen, is he's taking such a small dose. Like people are – you know, normally when you're saying – you know, when you're having like visuals of, you know, visual hallucina- hallucinations, you would have to be taking like, you know, upwards of three grams, you know, likely even more than that, you know, to start getting some of those feelings. And it's, it's all dose-dependent. And so if you're taking this 0.15, uh, you know, dose every single day, Mark, he said, you don't actually feel any different, right? I don't feel really any different. I mean, definitely no, no different seeing anything or any visuals, that's for sure. Uh, but the only thing that's different is the way my brain is working and it's, it's definitely for the better. Yeah, definitely for the better, definitely for, you know, reorganizing. And, you know, that's, that's just been my experience too, 100%. 
Yeah, it's almost like something, I just kind of roll with the punches, you know. I don't get as frustrated. I don't, I can just kind of let things roll over that would usually bug me or that I would be dwelling about or worrying about later. All the worries just kind of disappear and you just seem to be having a good day and your priorities are in line, which is, which is ideal. Yeah, I, I think it's perception. You know, you definitely you, you look at one thing one way. I couldn't solve this problem, and I, it was causing me so much anxiety and so much stress. But the reason you couldn't solve that problem was because of the way you were looking at it. And the mushrooms, they, they do, you know, the psilocybin creates some type of change in your head where, you know, you say, oh, I, I can solve this problem just like this. And then you solve it. And then you reinforce that, you know, with the confidence that you get from, from you know, completing that task. It's crazy. It's literally rewiring your brain. Literally rewiring your brain, and that's a giddy-up. Yeah, it is. Giddy-up. Giddy-up. So we want to make sure that, they, you know, the pharmaceutical companies aren't, aren't trying to hide this from, from people and that, you know, that's what this show is all about. So, you know, we're going to have tons of content out there about, uh, you know, about psilocybin, about the movements that are happening, um, you know, in the, the different jurisdictions, you know, depending on where you live. Most places it's, uh, you know, starting to become at least decriminalized. So there's opportunities for you to try it. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's a giddy up. Yeah. Just don't overdo it and make sure you're with somebody who's semi-educated. Yeah. Oh, 100%. That's the thing. You know, be with somebody who's semi-educated, somebody who's done it before, you know, you don't want to go into this, you know, this alone. That, that's for damn sure. Yeah. It's the same with cannabis, really. You don't want to overdo it. You know, I, I would hate for somebody, a new user to smoke an entire joint. They're probably going to get too high and never want to do it again. That's pretty much the worst case scenario. So, I mean, when somebody comes and says they've never tried cannabis before, the last thing you want to do is give them a thousand milligram chocolate bar. You know, you want them to have a good experience. You want them to do it again. You want them to come back, not because you want their money. You want them to come back because you want them to have a good time. You want them to have, do something good for their body. Yeah, you want them to come back because you put your life into this business uh, about trying to help people feel better. Sure, you're a capitalist too. You, you know, everyone needs to make money. Right. But you put your life into this. You could make money other ways too. You could still be doing organic landscaping. Yeah, exactly. Right. I could. Mm-hmm. So you, you put your life into this so you can, yeah, you can get, you pass that forward and people. And that's why, you know, I think that your brand is great because like you said, you guys try to teach people how to grow. If you go to Mark's, you know, shop on State Road in the summertime, you'll see a, a tree, a, you know, a plant outside sure. that, is, that is growing that, you know, that they're trying to show people and educate them. I think that that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. A lot of people like taking pictures with the plants and asking questions and telling us their experience with the plants that they bought that they're growing. And it's super fun talking about that stuff. And I can always learn something too. You know, I, I learn something every single day. It doesn't have to be from a teacher or somebody smarter. It could be from a homeless guy over there or my daughter. You know, I it's, you just have to be a good listener and, and care for people. Hell yeah. I, I love the sound of that. Be a good listener and care for people. I think that today has been uh, been an awesome show. Uh, you know, coming with, with with Mark Quinn from from Mark's Organics. Uh, we you know we've talked about a ton of stuff today. Uh, you know about, about cannabis and how that it needs to be you know it needs to be sourced uh, appropriately. Um, you know, you need people who care about growing it. Uh, that's it. You know, when you're sourcing your cannabis, look into people who actually care about it. They care about their process. They're people who care about what uh, what they're putting into their own bodies. Um, 
you know, if you want some great cannabis, definitely check out, you know, Mark's shop over, over on State Road. On, uh, and the second one is uh, going to be opening up. Um, definitely come out where, uh, you know, Mark's going to be, uh, you know, they'll be here for our party on, on 311. Absolutely. Um, yeah, giddy up. So we're going to be having, having a blast. So, you know, come on down. Come on down for that. We can uh, definitely celebrate and, um, you, know, sh- you know, answer some questions and just, you know, keep furthering this education that we are, uh, you know, trying to put forth on this show and, uh, you know, through businesses like, like Mark. Um, so I just want to say thanks so much, dude, for, for coming on today. It's been such a fucking giddy up. Like, I just, you know, I can't wait to have you on again. We can get into some, you know, some more stuff. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's really been awesome, and I, I appreciate you so much. The pleasure's mine, Steve. Thank you very much. And, yeah, I look forward. I'd love to come back and chat and talk about everything naughty. Yeah, exactly. We gotta, we gotta have a naughty episode, one hundred percent, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we'll get a little more naughty. Exactly. We're gonna get naughtier on the next one, uh, for sure. Talk about some things that you know that that we'd like to talk about a little bit more uh, now that you guys, you know, you know, you know Mark, and you're getting to know me a little bit more. So, thanks so much for you know for listening. I uh, hope that everyone has a, has a great week, and that you you all continue to be well. Bless up. Giddy up. <laughs>